thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking all things to do with gut microbiome, sleep disruption and obesity with Dr. Amy Reynolds, who is based in Adelaide in South Australia. Dr. Reynolds is a research associate at CQ University's Appleton Institute in Adelaide, where in conjunction with researchers at the University of Chicago, is heading up a study designed to explore how sleep duration affects the composition of the human microbiome and whether this plays a part in mental health problems and weight management issues. Her area of expertise and interest is in shift work, sleep and gut health, uh, which I have to say uh, are three areas that I'm also equally interested in as well. So to tell us more about the sleep study, our gut microbiome and obesity, I'd love to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to Amy. Hi, Audra. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's just great to have you um, on the podcast today, Amy. I have to say, um, you know, when I stumbled across your sleep study and started to read up a little bit more about you and that you've got a similar interest in shift work health, I thought, oh my gosh, I found my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I just love what you're doing. Um, but yeah, look, I guess... Um, before we go into more details about the actual study um, that you're quite heavily involved in at the moment, I'd love to hear your story, Amy, because like, how did you actually get started in sleep research and what led you to pursue this specifically amongst the shift working population and with gut health? For sure. Well, I um, so I have an undergraduate degree in psychology, which I finished in late 2007. And uh, when I went on to do my honours research, I was really interested in sleep. And at that point, I was um, working with children and looking at the relationship between different lifestyle factors and how they impacted on children's sleep. So I actually started on a very different end of the sleep spectrum, if you like, yeah. um, with my research. And during um, during my honours year, I actually became really unwell. And it was more from my own health, I guess, my own health background that the interest in sleep and health really came about because I have a chronic autoimmune disease, which affects my own sleep so (laughs) it's sort of a little bit of a I guess two worlds colliding if you like having that interest in sleep and then personally getting unwell and um so when I when I finished my honours year in 2009 I started working on a PhD in 2010 looking at how sleep restriction so not getting enough sleep still getting some but not enough over weeknights impacted um, metabolic health in men so that was my sort of transition, if you like, into the more um, health health related consequences, particularly for shift workers, because shift workers are, are a group in our society who routinely don't get enough sleep, as I had frequently been told by my mum, who is an emergency nurse. So oh it was an area I'm quite familiar with on a personal <laughs> level as well. So I have a lot of friends who are paramedics and um, emergency nurses and doctors and I, I really sort of noticed the impact on them especially what they sort of anecdotally report in their health and it really drives what I what I'm doing as well as knowing that the research we do has a pretty big impact on you know potentially a big impact on the health and well-being of our doctors and nurses and emergency mm-hmm. services workers and um, 
minors, so big groups of um, society that hopefully we can support with the research we do. That's a real passion of mine. Mm, oh, wow. Okay, so it's very um, driven from personal circumstances. Yeah, it really was. And, and as that sort of evolved, um, you know, it's just continued to grow in, in understanding. You know, we know that um, not getting enough sleep does affect how we function, you know, cognitively. So it can, you know, we can make more mistakes when we're tired. We can, um, you know, depending on how much sleep loss we've had, you know, there are higher risks for um, accidents um, at work and on the way to and from work, you know, because driving when you're really tired can have some pretty negative negative effects um one of the one of the leading papers about the impact of not getting enough sleep on um performance shows that you know by the time you get to a certain degree of um sleep deprivation it can be equivalent to driving you know over the under the influence of alcohol so we've we really know that the impacts are there for performance and we can see the relationships with health conditions but we really need to start trying to understand how that happens so that we can help Mm, yeah, and I guess, you know, as, as you mentioned, it's such a big part of our society with the emergency services, the transportation. Absolutely. You know, we, we can't, you know, ideally in the, in the perfect world, we would all be just become what we're meant to be, diurnal creatures and be in bed when it gets dark and, and so forth. But, you know, it's something that we can't change. So, yeah, what you're doing is great and, and to be able to find a way that we can actually, you know, take care of our shift workers and create that awareness, I guess, to improve their health based on, you know, what they have to, to work with. So exactly right. Especially because when you when you consider I mean, we've got our um, you know, our health based staff that mm. we, you know, need to be available twenty four seven and more recently um, something that's probably particularly for people in South Australia with the big storms um, that we saw recently oh, was acu- yeah. acutely that's aware right. of yep. all the emergency services personnel mm. who would have been out there, you know, helping us all out. So yeah, it's definitely an important important part of society, and we we need to know how we can support support those people from a health perspective too. Mm. Actually, uh, interesting. I've been seeing because um, oh, I'm in a student clinic at the moment. I've been having some some reason. I've been attracting a lot of paramedics that have been coming oh. through the door. Yeah, um, so, and I see you know various different you know other professions as well, and you know a few nurses and so forth. But yeah, I've been getting a lot of paramedics, and I have to actually take my hat off to um, them. They're just like you know like a lot of the other. Um, you know, medical field, they just work these ridiculously long hours and, and often without, you know, having any breaks as well. So, um, you know, because I'm obviously looking at their nutritional perspective and it's tough. Yeah, what mm, is, is really absolutely. quite tough. So, yeah, um, for our listeners um, who may not have heard the term before, uh, Amy, are you able to share with us exactly what is the gut microbiome? Sure. So as I as I said to you at the start, you know, my background is in psychology. I'm very much not a microbiologist. I work with mm. some fabulous microbiologists, obviously, on the work that we do. Yeah. But when I use the term gut microbiome, when we're talking um, to people about the research that we do, I'm talking about the bacteria that live in the human intestinal tract. So all of those little microscopic um, bacteria that are colonizing the different um, parts of the of the intestinal tract and they, their estimates are about 100 trillion of them um, sitting in the gut and they all serve different and often sort of collaborative purposes 
Um, and these bacteria weigh, we sort of say for scale, about two kilos. So there's quite a lot of them there. They have a really important job or lots of very important jobs. Um, and some of those include helping us to digest the food that we consume, um, keeping the lining of the gut intact so that disease-causing um, agents can't cross over into the system. Um, so there's a whole lot of, and that's just a very superficial, if you like, um, idea of what they do, but they serve a really complex process in, in balancing health and well-being. Mm, and given, I think, you know, it is, depends on where you read the, the research, but 70 to mm-hmm. 80% of our immune systems in the gut, is that correct? Yeah, so there is a, there's a lot of um, information in the literature, particularly recently, about the immune, um, the roles of the gut microbiota in immune responses as well. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in that area. And when you think about um, what some of our other organs that, you know, we consider vital organs in our body weigh and um, contribute to our body, you know, that's a pretty substantial um, size and mass that, that, that those tiny bacteria are actually contributing you know in terms of our bigger system so yeah they do play in what we're seeing to be an increasingly important role in health and well-being mm, fascinating yeah it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> all these things we can't see that are doing you know potentially big things for our body absolutely yeah which is why we need to take care of them so much yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> you know, they're little uh, look you mentioned on your website uh, amy that um, the wrong type of bacteria can actually make us vulnerable to all sorts of chronic health conditions. And, and so having that right uh, balance of gut um, bacteria is really crucial for our health. Can you just sort of expand a little bit more on this for us? Well, again, I'll give you a, a, a more layperson summary than a microbiologist would. Oh, I, please um, do. <laughs> but probably a good example um, is a study that was published in a very um, well-known journal called Nature, so very Im- leading scientific journal back in 2009 and it was looking at the gut microbiome in twins and what they actually found is that in twin pairs where one twin was obese and the other wasn't um, there was a significant difference in the colonies of bacteria in their gut so what they saw was that obese twins had lower diversity in their gut which means lower richness if you like for want of a better word Um, and some of the differences in their gut bacterial profiles so the types of gut bacteria in their gut um, are associated with different sort of physiological outcomes and in this case obesity so um, I really liked um, the the analogy that they use in that paper is one of um, you know rainforests or reef um, really diverse high energy change um, and really sort of yeah really broad different types of um, organisms is you know when there's a really like healthy gut microbiome if you like um, whereas they suggested that um, in the obese microbiome it was more like runoff from fertilizer where sort of different microbes and different microbial communities bloomed but with a a, a less healthy energy in, in so really kind of contextualizing that balanced ecosystem of a healthy um, with healthy energy harvest and taking the bits that it needs from the food whereas when you know when you've got that obese microbiome it's more like a, a negative there's still that bloom of microbes and there's still that energy harvest but it's not actually necessarily a good sort of community structure that you're seeing in a, in a more balanced e- ecosystem for want of a better word. So what we see is that that sort of difference, if you like, between um, the microbiome of somebody who is healthy and managing their weight well versus one where you've got this obese um, individual with a less healthy microbiome and it's 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 harvesting potentially more stuff from the food that's ingested and sort of encouraging some of those bacteria that may not be as, as useful for the gut. 
Um, and we also see differences in people with type 2 diabetes. Um, so there's a, quite a few studies that show that the microbiome does differ in those who have type 2 diabetes, which is also a metabolic um, disease. So um, I think for you, Audra, as well, you probably would really hit on this, is that idea of diet. So diet is one of the ones that, one of the things that has been shown to profoundly change the profile of bacteria in the gut. Um, so because we know that, you know, certain types of foods or high proportions of certain types of foods change the bacteria that are present in the gut. Um, and another study that was published in Nature recently um, found that within three or four days of making a big change to a diet, um, the participants were showing significant changes in the bacteria in their stomach, um, but also the genes that they expressed. So we're really seeing this rapid complex changes in, um, in the gut um, when people change their food profiles. Um, so they did see changes that um, in mice are associated with inflammatory bowel disease, so bacteria that contribute to that. And that is definitely not to say that um, those that was a causal sort of relationship or would have the same impact as what you see in mice. But it's more that awareness of um, what we put in can change what's living inside as well. Mm, and I, yeah, when you were touching on the type two diabetes and so forth, I mean, yeah, this is quite a prevalent um, that we see in the shift working population. And you know, we can you know tie it to many things, but shift workers are also notorious for you know eating you know not great food because we're tired all the time. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and and I mean, there's some other information from sleep sleep um you know sleep studies in particular about how people's um. Um, preferences change when they're um, eating during the night compared yep. to eating during the day. So yep. changes in hormones that sort of happen as well. So there's a, a, obviously a lot of really complex um, interactive systems happening when people are, um, you know, awake during the night when they would normally be asleep too. Yeah, the disruption to the hunger hormones. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, the yeah. And leptin? Yeah. yeah, so there's some yeah. sort of mixed findings around yeah. that. Um, some of the initial stuff that showed changes in leptin that might suggest that um, appetite changes are responsible for some of the weight gain we see um, aren't necessarily replicated in studies where people are getting enough. Um, so it is it is a bit of a complex um, mm. relationship we see there, but there is there are certainly hints that physiological changes when we're eating at night, um, you know, are underpinning some of the stuff that's going on um, when shift workers are awake during the night for sure. Mm. And getting back to, you know, the disruption of the gut with all mm-hmm. the different types of bacteria, are you also re- kind of referring to things like dispos- uh, sorry, dysbiosis and small intestinal bowel overgrowth, that specifically kind of so thing? When we talk about when, when I talk about dysbiosis, we're really talking about that. Um, it's, it's more of that chronic kind of disruption to the balance of the of the bacteria in the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when we when we look at studies, for example, in the lab and looking at changes, we're more looking at acute disruptions to the gut. Um, but when you have longer sort of longer term, um, you know, disruptions to those profiles of the gut, you have a more dysbiotic state in the gut, if you like. So yep. more likely to have. So think about those those obese um, microbiomes that we were talking about before might be more likely to have that um, disrupted um, um, profile of the gut that's more chronic as well. So we can see sort of those short term changes that you know, and particularly I'm speaking mostly from a sleep perspective here because this is all quite new. Um, in, in, in terms of looking at how sleep affects the microbiome. Um, but at the moment, we're really only looking at those acute changes in the sleep lab um, to see if there's any 
sort of short-term changes. They're not necessarily reflective of dysbiosis, but they are, you know, potentially, you know, if we see changes when people aren't getting any sleep in the lab, mm-hmm. more reflective of an acute response. Um, in terms of the stuff which we will get to in a minute um, that we're doing with Ubiome and the University of Chicago, um, we're potentially looking at those more um you know, long-term differences depending on how long people have been shift working for. Um, you know, we, we still haven't yet to look at that data. Obviously, we're still collecting data, so I can't comment on that. But, yeah, really seeing if there are any differences in those who are working longer shifts or those who just habitually sleep less or um, and that kind of thing. So that's where we sort of try and make that distinction between, you know, is it just a, a quick response to something that's that's going on or are there those more long-term implications for the gut as well? Hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, an interesting thing that you that you're researching. That's for sure. And yeah, it's just yeah. It's, hopefully, the outcome, you know, what you're finding is going to be able to, you know, put in pros, um, procedures and so forth to be able to help, you know, our massive shift working, um, and you know, just people that suffer from insomnia. You know, obviously, they come into a they may not be defined as a shift worker, but they're certainly you know, experiencing similar things. So Yeah, absolutely. And mm. I think that's an important distinction to make is we're not, mm. if this isn't just necessarily applicable to shift workers, although shift workers are a group who are more likely to be awake at night or getting less sleep. But, you know, more broadly, we will also be looking to answer that question is what happens um, to the microbiome when people just get less sleep, which is, you know, uh, it seems to be, you know, most people I come across will say that they haven't had enough sleep last night or maybe, yeah. you know, <laughs> over the last week. So, you know, it's just one of those um, questions we'd really like to be able to answer. Yeah, wonderful. Awesome. Well, I just, um, some of the stuff that I've noticed doing some research um, at uni, obviously, you know, because I'm studying nutritional medicine, but I do a lot of my research on shift workers for obvious reasons. Um, but there was one study, um, I don't have it actually access to it at the moment, but I remember reading it and I, it left me kind of a little bit shell-shocked um, because how ongoing and chronic um, sleep deprivation can actually weaken the lining of the gut and mm-hmm. considering, you know, the um, intestinal permeability or leaky gut mm-hmm. can obviously lead to a whole host of chronic um, health conditions, one which includes autoimmune disease, which personally, obviously, now that I know that, you can relate to. <laughs> um, yep. But, yeah, would you mind sharing, uh, Amy, what is actually the mechanisms or pathophysiology behind that weakening of the gut? process because this is compelling research. Well, we've actually, we published a paper this year um, in Sleep Medicine Reviews, which looked at that possible relationship mm. or the possible explanation. And what we what we do know about um, sleep loss so um, in, and circadian disruption, so when we're saying circadian disruption, we're talking about that idea of being awake at night and trying to sleep during the day, so just disturbing when people would normally be waking and sleeping. Um, we do know that there's a little um, stress response, little, I say little, there is a stress response um, that seems to occur when people either don't get any sleep for a period of time or when they're getting shorter periods of sleep over time. We see changes in their profile of cortisol, particularly um, in the afternoon and early evening, that would suggest that there's almost this physiological stress response that happens when people aren't getting enough sleep. Um, And we also see that in terms of some of their psychological reports, in terms of um, the psychological measures we use, people seem to respond feeling a little bit more stressed when they're not getting as much sleep. And uh, what we know already from the literature is that stress does change the gut microbiota. Um, So some of those colonies in the gut start to change. There's increases in um, things like bacteroidetes um, and and there is that propensity to 
seed dysbiosis in the in the gut microbiota, um, and this in turn can be associated with inflammation, um, which in turn can lead potentially to that increased gut permeability. And this is really interesting for us um, from a sleep perspective because we know we we do see some pro-inflammatory responses with sleep um, after periods of sleep loss after periods of time, and what we suspect could be happening is that it's that stress responses and the change in, in microbiota that maybe um, is associated with some of that inflammation that we see in the lab, which in turn can lead to some of those metabolic um, disorders that we see associated with sleep loss and shift work. So that's that's um, something that obviously we're, we're looking at seeing if this is the case, particularly with looking at lab studies and changes you know, in, in the microbiota when people don't get enough sleep. So trying to answer that question, what is actually going on um, when people don't get enough sleep and how is that potentially, um, how are the gut microbiota involved in that relationship? So an interesting question for me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, given we've got a sleep epidemic on our hands, um, mm. you know, plus, you know, autoimmune is becoming more and more prevalent in society. I mean, there's got to be a connection there or quite, you know, quite likely. Yeah, potentially. And certainly that's something we, you know, one of the reasons driving what we are, the research we're doing at the moment is to try and tease that apart a little bit more and understand what's going on, um, you know, behind the scenes, if you like, behind that um, sleep loss and metabolic disease and you know i and i'm not as familiar with the autoimmune diseases from a sleep perspective but um my my stuff is particularly you know focused on metabolic disorders but yeah really understanding the association with some of those health conditions that we see in society too mm. so in regards to the research that you're working on uh, amy because mm-hmm. you, you know right now you're currently working with as you mentioned before ubiome which is um the world's leading Microbial Genomics Company, along with the University of Chicago, um, in a sleep study which it looks at that connection between gut health, obesity, and mental health. Uh, and those, you know, obesity and mental health are definitely something, unfortunately, that I've, you know, noticed keeps coming up in a lot of the shift working research that I'm mm-hmm. seeing. Um, you know, the, but your study, yeah, it just sounds totally fascinating. Can you tell us more about the, the actual study that you're doing? Absolutely. So uh, we were really, really fortunate to be working with Ubiome and University of Chicago, who have some leading microbiologists to have try and tease apart that relationship between sleep duration, um, shift work history, whether people when people are on call, um, and some of those um, health conditions, and seeing whether the profiles of the gut microbiome are in some way related to that. So what that gives us the opportunity to do, as you mentioned, my, um, Ubiome are a microbial genomics company. So this is one of the one of the one of a study that gives people the opportunity to um, purchase a gut kit um, through the Ubiome website, and you answer a lot of questions about your diet and your work um, already as part of their of, of part of their um, routine questions. They also now ask questions about sleep duration, shift work, and that kind of thing, so that we can start to tease out those relationships um, in a in a situation where we've got lots of subjects and 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 really gives us the chance to um, comment on whether there is a relationship between um, how much you sleep or whether you're a shift worker um, and some of those gut profiles that we see, which is really exciting for us. So what's actually um, involved in the gut kit Mm -hmm. itself, Amy? What do they have to do? (laughs) 
Well, it's it's a nice, simple one. Um, yeah. Their instructions are all on their website. What Basically what happens is they send you out a little kit um, with a swab and a, and a vial that you can collect your own small sample and post it back and they will analyse it for you. And the beautiful thing about the Ubiome um, system is because people can purchase their kit, you then have access to your, your own data as a participant um, in their online um, environment. So you can see what the results of that test are um, and how you compare to other groups based on um, the responses that you give in your questionnaire. So there's a, there's a good benefit for individuals who are interested in knowing about their own health too. Mm, that sounds yeah fascinating i like that it's um quite easy to do <laughs> yeah it is very straightforward there's nothing no nothing too unpleasant involved in the in the sampling um and their their business aim obviously for this for this study um you know it's it's very much focused on fecal samples but they do actually offer kits to test other um sites on your body as well so your skin and your mouth um are a couple of examples um to see you know what what the communities of bacteria look like on your body Wow. And are they looking for a certain amount of people or is there a time frame on it at all? Uh, for our study, we yep. still are collecting um, subjects at the moment. So they feel free to jump onto the um, Ubiome website and purchase a gut kit um, and be part of the study as a, as, a, as a broader participant, but also to find out a little bit more about your own health and the bacteria that are living in your body. Awesome. So how, um, where do people go if they're wanting to learn more about the sleep study, uh, yep. Amy? Because I really think that there'd probably be, you know, quite a few people that would love to be <laughs> up Yeah. I will give you the website for you, Biome. It's, I'll just make sure I'm getting this correct. It's you for under B-I-O-M-E.com and there's a button on the front page and you can click Get Sequenced. So that's through the normal like Ubiome process. The other thing you can do is that there is a sleep study page um, that answers a lot more questions for those who are really wanting to participate in the sleep study as a longer um, as a longer study. But you can still um, answer sleep-based questions through the main the main sequencing um, point these days too. So that's really exciting. Fantastic. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's that's terrific. I'll make sure that I include the link to your that website you're referring to in the show notes, Great. so people can ask. Yeah, they can actually access it later on. So. Yeah, that's um, that's awesome. Well, just to um, slightly change the topic a little bit, um, because I'm just about to in- conclude um, the podcast, Amy. But and you might not be familiar with my podcast, but one of the things that I like to do at, um, before I wrap up is actually ask um, my guests what their favourite holiday destination is and why, because I'm a bit of a mad traveller. Ah. <laughs> Oh, I have to think about the. I think. Oh, I think France is probably probably my pick. I do love oh, do love France. Okay. That would be my my first destination of choice in in winter for the or for the wine or i would happily take any time (laughs) it's beautiful yeah yeah i'd 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 have to agree with you there so (laughs) awesome well look it's been great um talking to you um amy thank you so much um for joining me today um it's just been wonderful talking to someone that obviously has a similar interest in that sleep deprivation side of things as well and you know gut health um is is such a big thing um and and i see it a lot and in my shift work because i see coming into clinic um it's very rare for people to sort of have those you know normal kind of bowel movements so it's yeah it's it's just a, a great um connection you know that you're talking about so yeah thank you for having me audra it's been a pleasure Awesome. Well, that's it for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, 
through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit. And you can also leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store, which will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources, including my newsletter, just visit healthyshiftworker.com and enter your name and email address. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening in. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.